The psalmist put it this way in Psalm 62 in verse number 11. God hath spoken once. Twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Power belongeth unto God. And do you realize this, that he actually gives power to us as well? Think about this, our, our, our abilities. He's given us the power to do certain things. Your ability to think, your ability to make things. Uh, some of us know how to crochet and knit. Some of us know how to fix cars. Some of us how to know, how to, know how to work on a computer. Some of us know how to mess things up on a computer. <laughs> God's given us the ability to do certain things. He's given us the ability to work, to read, to even play sports. Your ability to do anything. That's God giving us power. He's also given us power in the arena of authority. Your authority in the home as a parent. Your authority in the workplace is maybe a boss. Uh, the authority in our government. Paul tells us in Romans 13, verse 1, For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. So God's given us power. But He is infinite in His power. Uh, A.W. Tozer in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, said this about God's power. <clears throat> he said, God has dele uh, delegated power to His creatures... But being self-sufficient, he cannot relinquish anything of his perfections. And power being one of them, he has never surrendered the least iota of his power. He gives, but he does not give away. All that he gives remains his own and returns to him again. Forever he must remain what he has been forever. The Lord God omnipotent. Good words from a spiritual giant to be sure. Sometimes we can also learn quite a bit from out of the mouth of babes, too. A young boy was traveling, I read about, by airplane, and uh, he was going to visit his grandparents. And on his flight, he sat beside a man who happened to be a seminary professor, Mr. Theologian. Well, the boy was reading a Sunday school take-home paper, you know, and, uh, and the professor looked over and, and thought he would have some fun with the lad. And, and so he said, young man, if you tell me something God can do, I'll give you a big shiny apple. Well, the boy thought for a moment and then replied, Mister, if you can tell me something God can't do, I'll give you a whole barrel of apples. <laughs> and isn't that true? That's a good theological truth right there. You know, this morning as we consider this amazing attribute of our great God, I, I want to I show you three very important aspects of of this doctrine of God's omnipotence. And I hope that as we go through these, that you won't just say, well, that's good knowledge. But that you'll allow that knowledge to impact your life. Because that is what is supposed to happen when we learn the Word of God. It's not just supposed to be more knowledge that we store up and we claim we have more knowledge. Paul said, knowledge puffeth up. We don't need to have more knowledge. We need to have more living of what we know. And so today as we look at this, I want us to be thinking about how can I implement this? How can this truth help my life? Because what good is the Word of God if it doesn't? It's good, but God does desire to change our lives from it. So let's get into it this morning. Number one, I want to show you the declaration 
of God's power, the declaration of God's power. You see, the attribute, this attribute of our God, His great and infinite powers declared throughout the Scriptures. This isn't just mentioned one time here in Jeremiah. It's from cover to cover found, uh, declared in His Word. Think of Genesis chapter 17 um, when uh, God was appearing to Abraham. And he was actually referred to as Abram at that point. Genesis 17, 1 says, And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. He is the Almighty One. He is the one that nothing is too hard for him. Genesis 18 is... uh, And the Lord said unto Abraham, Genesis 18, verse 13, Wherefore did Sarah laugh? Do you remember that story? When Sarah had a little chuckle fest? And see, well, shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? She said, this is silly. And then he said, is anything too hard for the Lord? A rhetorical question which actually has an answer. And the answer is nothing is too hard for the Lord. David declared the great power of God in his prayer after the offering was given for the construction of the temple. 1 Chronicles 29, verse 11 says, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is Thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord. And Thou art exalted as head above all, both riches and honor come of Thee, and Thou reignest over all, and in Thy hand is power And might, and in thy hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. The angel Gabriel, remember when he appeared to Mary? He also declared the amazing power of God to her as he announced that she would become the mother of the Son of God. Luke 1, verse 37, he said to her, For with God nothing shall be Impossible. Jesus also talked of his power in John chapter 10. John 10 verse 17, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. And then he said, I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. And Jesus also declared his powers. He gave out the great commission There in Matthew chapter 28, verse number 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. John the Revelator heard the voice of many angels round the throne of our great God declare this in Revelation chapter 5, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing." See, he has all power. The 24 elders in Revelation 11 said this about the power of God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. John also heard this right before the marriage supper of the Lamb in Revelation chapter 19. He said, And as I heard, as it were, the voice of, of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. 
He is omnipotent. And so over and over again, as we go through God's word, we're reminded of his infinite and unmatched power. But his power wasn't simply just declared. <clears throat> he also shows us his power as well. Which leads me to uh, the second thought this morning, and that is the display of God's power. The display of God's power. God's power is ever on display in our lives and in the world in which we live. Every sunrise, every sunset is a tribute to his amazing power. Amen. Now, we could be here for days talking about the various uh, ways in which God displays his power. I'm not going to take the time to go through all of those ways, but I want to pick six of them this morning to uh, share with you and to focus on the way God displays his power to us and has displayed his power. First of all, what ways that uh, God has displayed his power? First of all, we see in creation, he displayed his power. The fact that he created all that you and I see and know in six literal 24-hour periods of time. He didn't, and he didn't have, you know, he didn't, he didn't go to Amazon and order a bunch of stuff to make the world. He didn't, he didn't need prime shipping. Uh, he had he did it out of nothing. <clears throat> Hebrews 11.3 says this, Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed, and here it is, by the word of God. You see, he had so much power that all he had to do was speak, and it happened. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, I realize in our day and age, and I've shared this story with some on Wednesday night, uh, in our day and age, we can say, hey, Google, turn on the lights. And Google turns on the lights. Or Alexa turns on the lights. Uh, but Alexa needs internet. Alexa needs electricity. And it needs to have a light bulb. God didn't need anything. He just said, let there be light. And boom, there was light. And all he used was his voice. Psalm 33 and verse 6 says this, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. It shows us his power. Isaiah 40 and verse 26, lift up your eyes on high and behold who hath created these things that bringeth out the host by number. He calleth them all by names by the greatness of his might. For he that is strong in his power, not one faileth. And Romans 1 Paul reminds us, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Inspirational writer Raymond McHenry notes that in times of uncertainty, it's good to know these simple facts from Isaiah chapter 40. So go ahead and turn over to Isaiah chapter 40. I want to show you a couple of verses in this passage here. <coughs> Excuse me. Isaiah chapter 40. We'll look at the verses here in a moment. But here's one fact. The oceans of the world, someone has kind of calculated this. I don't know if it's 100% correct, but I'm not going to go and check their math on it necessarily. Uh, but the oceans of the world contain more than 340 quintillion gallons of water. 
yet God holds them in the hollow of his hand in verse number 12. 340 quintillion gallons of water. That's a lot of zeros, by the way. Look at verse number 12. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. God's power is able, and and he's smart enough, which we'll actually be talking about next week, by the way, in case you were wondering what we're going to be talking about next week, is the omniscience of God. The fact that God knows all things. But God is able to hold all the oceans of the world in the hollow of his hand. The the earth weighs six sextillion metric tons, yet God says it is but small dust of the balance. In verse number 15, Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are as counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. Uh, I realize that, that that's kind of hard for us to grasp. Uh, six sextillion metric tons. By the way, sextillion is one with 21 zeros after it. Wow. The known universe stretches more than 30 billion light years, which is 200 sextillion miles. But God measures it by the width of his hand in verse number 12. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with the span. The span is the width of a hand in God's vernacular. Amazing. Scientists claim that there are at least 100 billion galaxies in the universe. And each galaxy is made up of about 100 billion stars. This is just an estimate. Which means that comes to, again, one sextillion stars. Verse number 26, we read it a little bit ago. Lift up your eyes on high. Behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number. Uh, The host there is talking about the stars and and the, the planets and all of that bringeth out their host by number, he calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might. So God calls each star by name. And maybe some of you have seen, you know, as a great gift idea, you could name a star after a loved one. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, that's not really possible because God has already named that star. And so one sextillion stars, God knows each one by name. And he knows what each molecule, each atom is doing in each of those stars. God's power. I love the words of the song we sang at the very beginning of the service this morning. Written by Stuart Hine, How Great Thou Art. And he said, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. And I do see the stars. And I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. And you know, as we consider all those stars, it's interesting to note as you read through the creation story, God only dedicates five words to those stars. He says, and he made the stars also. He spent five words talking about how he made those one sextillion stars. 
pretty amazing because to him, it's nothing for him to do that. You see, it's just as easy for him to create the sun, the moon, the stars as it is for him to lift a robin off of her nest. God's power is not, he's not exhausted after doing something hard like building, uh, creating the world. He didn't need a nap afterwards. That's not why he rested on the seventh day. God is all powerful. Creation is a display of his great power. I think secondly of the countless miracles in the word of God. Display his great power. Things that are beyond us, things that we can't explain, countless miracles that we read through in the Word of God show us His amazing power. Someone put together a list of miracles that are recorded in the Bible, and they came up with 166 miracles, 83 in the New Te- Old Testament and 83 in the New Testament. And I have jotted those down, and we have a little out, uh, handout that I'd like to pass around. So, gentlemen, if you can... I pass those around here. <clears throat> I think we have one per person. But countless miracles, the miracles of the Word of God, are a tribute to God's amazing power. You think about the, I'm reading through the, I just finished reading through the, the ten plagues and uh, going through the different things that God did to deliver the nation of Israel out of Egypt. And then how he parted that Red Sea was so spectacular. Just amazing for them to know that God did all of that and then to come to the end and still complain. It's pretty remarkable. But, but you and I who have experienced a lot of other miracles in our lives, uh, we're tempted to complain as well when we go through difficult times. So let this handout be a reminder of God's power that has been displayed throughout history. And so when you're tempted to think, God can't do this in my life, maybe pull this out, read through some of these miracles and say, boy, if God can do that, God can certainly help me with what I'm going through in my life. I'd like to just highlight one. I'd love to highlight all of these, but I want to highlight just one of them that is a little lesser known uh, miracle. It's found in John chapter number 18. It's one of the ones in the New Testament there, of course. But John chapter number 18. Uh, John chapter 18, verse number 3, it says, Judas then, having received abandonment and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, come thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Okay, So fast forward in your mind to, or go back in your mind, wherever you're at in in your mind. I don't even know where I'm at in my mind, to be honest. Go, back, go with me to the Garden of Gethsemane there as Jesus is about to be betrayed by Judas, one of the 12 disciples that spent three and a half years with him. So Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Then notice this, Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. And as soon then as he had said to them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. This one gets a little less airtime than the parting of the Red Sea. And, but this one is just as remarkable and, and, and very interesting and, and I think very significant. Well, then asked he them again, whom seek ye? 
And I'm pretty sure they didn't say it as confidently as they did the first time with as much boldness. Uh, they probably were shaking in their boots saying, oh great, I'm going to say this and he's probably going to say I am he and we're going to fall backwards again. And God was, Jesus was indicating there that, look, you have no power over me. I have all power. Um, you're not going to take me by force. I'm going to give myself willingly. And that's what he was indicating there with that miracle. So these miracles, let them be a reminder of God's great and infinite power in not only the past, but also in our life as well, because God has not changed since the days of those miracles that we read about with great delight in the Word of God. He is that same God today, and He is still a miracle-working God today. John chapter 21, uh, this is just the, the little list that I gave you is not complete. There's countless miracles that God has done. John 21, verse 25, John records this, and there are also many other things which Jesus did. The which, if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. That's how he ends his gospel. The very last verse of his gospel is that right there. That, look, if we were to record all that Jesus did, the world would not be able, it would not fit on a little outline, a little piece of paper folded and given out at church, on, at Cornerstone Baptist Church on uh, Time Change Sunday. It wouldn't fit there. It wouldn't fit in this entire world because of all that Jesus did. So the miracles are a display of God's power. One of the other miracles that, I, that deserves to be highlighted a little bit more is, is the third thought here, and that is the resurrection of Christ displayed God's amazing and infinite power. For Him to overcome death, hell, and the grave by His own power is amazing. Ephesians 1 and verse 19 and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power? And here's the next verse. Which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places. So when you're wondering if God is able to handle what you're going through, uh, think about the empty tomb. Think about the fact that He's not here anymore, that He is now uh, uh, sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. So the resurrection of Christ acts as a display of God's power. I think also about the tribulation period that's yet to happen. The tribulation period and what God is going to do and, and uh, what John was able to see regarding the power of God there in the tribulation period. Turn over to Revelation chapter number 6. Show you a couple examples of the power of God. Revelation chapter number 6. <clears throat> You see, those who are left behind will get to see and experience the power of God unleashed like never before. Revelation chapter 6 and verse number 12 says, And I beheld when, they, when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. The heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. This is going to be it. We lived in California, and I lived in California for the first, a lot of my life. 
I don't remember how many years now, but most of my life I spent in California, and all those years we kept hearing about the big one, the big earthquake. It's going to come. We need to be ready. We need to, and, and, and so many businesses existed to try to help people prepare for earthquakes. It was kind of like the big one of the tornado here in Oklahoma. But I'm telling you, they haven't seen the big one yet, but they will see the big one in the tribulation period. And it's going to be such an earthquake that the mountains are going to be removed. Mount Everest is not going to be Mount Everest any longer. Uh, All the mountains that you can think of are going to be displaced in this particular earthquake. Verse 15 says, The kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, chief captains, the mighty men, every bondman, every free man, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said said to the mountains and rocks, Please fall on us. Hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come. And who shall be able to stand? You see, the power of God is going to be displayed in in a remarkable way. I don't want to be there to experience it. I wouldn't mind necessarily seeing it from a distance, but I don't want to be here to experience it. And I'm thankful for the doctrine of the rapture of the church and that we won't be here for that. Uh, chapter 9 uh, is another uh, part of the tribulation period. I mean, you could take the whole time and read through these first few chapters of the book of Revelation and see God's power over and over again. But Revelation chapter 9, verse number 1, I, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven, under the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. He opened the bottomless pit, and there rose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. Verse 6 says, In those days shall men seek death, and shall not find it, shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. You see, the tribulation period is going to be one giant display of God's power. And no one's going to be able to stand against it. No one. I like the, in Revelation 6 where it talks about the men there, the mighty men, the men of renown, all these chief, all the men that the world praises and thinks are untouchable, God's going to humble them one day because of His great power. A couple more displays of God's power. Uh, fifthly, we see the creation of the new heaven and new earth is going to show God's amazing power. Revelation 21, verse 1, And I saw a new heaven, new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the, John saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard the voice of a great, uh, a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God will dwell with them and be their God. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. One great tribute there again 
to the power of God. And this one, this last thought here is, is an important one for me. It's a personal thought, and that is the salvation of a soul. The power of God is displayed in the salvation of a soul. Paul said Romans in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. You know, I'm not the same guy that I was before I was saved. And that's a tribute to the power of God. Paul said this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The fact that you're sitting here in this room in your right mind, well, hopefully, kind of. I know it's time change Sunday, so maybe not. The fact that you're in church this morning and not out doing something horrendous is a tribute to the power of God in my life and in yours as well. There's no telling what kind of monsters you and I would end up being without Christ. And so me being here and having a harmonious marriage, having kids who, for the most part, do good. I, for the most part, do good. (laughs) Is a tribute to the power of God. My life, being what it is, is a tribute to His power. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 7, verse 25 said, Wherefore, He is able. Aren't you glad that He is able? He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. God is able by His great power to save anybody, no matter what they've done, where they've, where they've been. It doesn't matter. God is able with His great power to save a soul. And I'm thankful that that has been displayed in my life to be sure. So we see the declaration of God's power. We see the display of God's power. And then thirdly and quickly this morning, the demand of God's power. The demand of God's power. What does His power demand us to do? First of all, it demands us to fear the Lord. It demands the fear of God in our life. Last time when we focused on the omnipresence of God, we looked at several verses that talked about the comfort of His presence brings in our life and the fact that we should not fear in light of His continual presence. Now today we're being encouraged to fear. Yeah, a couple weeks ago we were said, let's, let's stop fearing because of His presence. But now I'm encouraging us to fear. Kind of contradictory, right? Well, I'm telling us to fear God. Because when we fear God, we won't fear the other things in our lives. Uh, About a week and a half ago in Jordan, Minnesota, officers were called to check on the welfare of an adult male in one of their local neighborhoods standing motionless outside near a home wearing no coat in the cold and simply hugging a pillow. Kind of strange. Upon arriving on scene... Officers discovered discovered that the adult male, in need of possible assistance, was actually a cardboard cutout of MyPillow CEO and inventor Mike Lindell. We have a picture of it on the screen here. So that was standing out somebody's home, and that was a little disturbing. That would have been disturbing to me, too. 
And I'm sure that the person called was a little fearful because this, this creepy man is holding a pillow looking at them, <laughs> not moving. Uh, those cardboard cutouts sure can look real from a distance, and the caller certainly was not wanting to get too close. Who is this deranged person standing outside in the cold hugging a pillow? It's always better to call the police, they said. Now, here's the thing. Oftentimes, we fear something only to find out that it was just a figment of our imagination. We worry about the future. We worry about this or that. And boy, it doesn't ever come to pass, does it? And we spend our time and our energy and, our, and it begins to affect us in a negative way when we focus on things that aren't real. So we spend time worrying, fretting, getting ulcers, having stress headaches, all for something that's not even real. Fake news we stress out for. See, here's the thing. We're not to fear the difficulty. We're not to fear the trial. We're not to fear our enemies or even death. We're not to fear any of those things, but we are to fear God. In fact, if we indeed have a fear of God, He'll help us to overcome the other fears that we have in our lives. First Peter chapter 5 Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and right giveth grace to the humble. And then he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Jesus said in Matthew Ten, fear not them that which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So a healthy fear and reverence of God is something God invites us to do. And when you consider God's power, hopefully that propels us to a life of respect for who God is. You think you can throw your fists up to God and say, I'll take you on, God. Uh, go for it. You are no match you grasshopper. That's what the Bible says. That we're as grasshoppers in His sight. And yet He loves us with an everlasting love. But when you and I think we're big stuff and that we can take on God and, and he, doesn't have to, he, he has no right to tell us what to do and what we should uh, be, uh, yes, He does because of His great power. You look at some of those miracles and study some of those miracles in the Old Testament about people who thought they didn't need to listen to God. Even in the book of Acts, when Ananias and Sapphira thought it was okay to lie against the Holy Ghost. Uh, we know what happened there. There was a couple funerals that were unexpected that took place. It's, it's, it's something that should cause us to fear God instead of thinking, hey, I can do what I want to do. It's my life, and he has no right to tell Yes, He does. He created you, and He has all power. So it should propel us to a life where we fear God, but it also should prepare us or propel us to a life of faith in God. You know, when we understand God's power and that we truly do serve an all-powerful God, it should propel us to a life of faith. I think about David when, uh, when he fought Goliath, right? He had this in his mind when he went to face a giant. He knew God was powerful and he knew that he was able to carry him through just like he did when David faced the paw of the bear and the paw of the, of the lion. He knew that God could do it. 
And so he was willing to place his faith and trust in, in the Lord to face this giant that he was dealing with in his life. And so here's a great question for all of us. What giant are you facing in your life? God is able to carry you through. He is able to defeat that giant just like God was able to defeat Goliath. And let it propel you to a life of faith in God. Ephesians 3 and verse 20, Paul said, Now unto him that is able, because of his infinite infinite power, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. You see, a lack of faith in God is really a doubting whether God has the ability to work in your life or not. Friend, what I want to encourage all of us with this morning is for us to remember the truth of His power and to let that cause us to trust Him when we go through difficult times. Also, when it comes to temptation, all of us face temptation. All of us, we we learned uh, yesterday morning in our men's prayer breakfast about confessing our faults one to another. We all have faults that we deal with. And when it comes to overcoming these, I want to share a quote that Dr. Sapphire, a friend of of Spurgeon, once said. He said, although we trust in the power of the death of Jesus to cancel the guilt of sin, we do not exercise a reliant and appropriating faith in the omnipotence of the living Savior to deliver us from the bondage of sin and the power of Satan in our daily life. We forget that Christ works in us mightily and that one with Him we possess strength sufficient to overcome every temptation. And so if we let him, brother and sister, he can overcome our anger. He can overcome our envy. He can overcome our lust. He can overcome our depression. He can overcome our bitterness, our selfishness. Look, either he has all power or he doesn't. I'm here to remind you this morning that he indeed is all-powerful and that nothing is impossible with God, including the temptation that you struggle with. He can overcome it. He overcame all sin on the cross of Calvary. He can overcome your sin that you struggle with. A.W. Tozer wrote this, That ugly sin that has been on you so long, you hate it so bad, it's been there so long, you wish you were free. And he said, but you just don't have the courage to believe. He said, I appeal to you, dare to believe that the Lord God omnipotent lives, and with him nothing shall be impossible. He has all power there is. James reminds us, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I read this story, and and we'll kind of close with this one In a seminary missions class, Hebert Jackson told how as a new missionary, he was assigned a car that would not start without a push. So after pondering his problem, he devised a perfect plan. So he went to the school near his home and got permission to take some of the children out of class and had them push his car off. As he made his rounds, he would either park on a hill or leave the engine running. And he used this ingenious procedure, forget this, two years. Two years, this is how he dealt with his car issues. Well, eventually ill health forced the Jackson family to leave, and a new missionary came to that station. 
So when Jackson proudly began to explain his arrangement for getting the car started, the new man began looking under the hood. Before the explanation was complete, the new missionary interrupted, Why, Dr. Jackson, I, I believe the only trouble is this loose cable right here. So he gave the cable a twist, stepped in the car, pushed the switch, and to Jackson's astonishment, the engine roared to life. For two years, needless trouble had become routine. The power was there the entire time. Only a loose connection kept Jackson from putting that power to work. You know, when we make firm our connection with God, His life and His power is able then to flow through us. Unfortunately, sometimes that cable comes loose. We need to make things right with God so that His power can once again flow through us. Now today I've shown you that God is indeed all-powerful and there's nothing too difficult for Him. But I want to close by sharing with you three things that God cannot do. God can do all things, but there are three things that God cannot do. First of all, God cannot lie. Hebrews 6.18, two mutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. Titus 1.2 says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. So God cannot lie. God also, secondly, cannot change. He is God and He will never change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 2 Timothy 3 and verse, or 2 and verse 13 says, If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. He's not going to change. And thirdly, God cannot allow sinners into heaven. John 3 and verse 3, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So unless you're born again, he cannot let you into heaven. And so my encouragement to all of us this morning is to make sure that you've been born again, that you have believed on him for eternal life. Just like the Philippian jailer asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And the answer is, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And then the Lord will let you into heaven. The power of God, the great omnipotence of God, let it propel us to a life where we fear God, a life where we have faith in God. And if you're here today and you've never been saved, you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, could I encourage you today to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and then thou shalt be saved.